Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. Time for School, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. You ever gotten in an argument with somebody? What's the difference between a phase and a flange? Every time it comes up. Yeah, uh, did it Did it end nicely? No. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show, Rock School Radio Network, broadcasting from Southeastern Louisiana University. My name is Joe Burns. You are? Monique Gregoire. And we have in the studio with us a special guest today, and it will be obvious why we have him here in just one moment. You are? Bill Robinson. Good enough. Now, the reason Bill is in the studio is because we have a special topic today. Are, are you at all, Bill, familiar with Vintage Guitar Magazine? I am now. Okay, well, <laughs> I have picked this magazine up, I can't tell you how many times. Times and I ran into a an article that they had in the magazine called the 25 most valuable effects written by Dave Hunter. Contacted the magazine and said, "Can I please use this, uh, you know, on the Rock School Radio Show?" And Ward, who is the editor, said, "Yeah, by all means." And Dave Hunter also said, "Sure, you can use the you can use it." So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Dave also suggested, if you get a chance, Joe, make a point of telling them that my expanded and updated guitar and amp handbook is available. I'll, so I'll, I, I'll be ordering one this afternoon, I'll make along a, with my subscription to Vintage Guitar. <laughs> I'll make a point of telling people that at some point during the show. Well, here it is. It's the 25 most valuable effects. These are the effects that you put on vocals, you put on mostly guitars because it is Vintage Guitar Magazine. And the reason you're in the studio is, you know, I played with you in inside of Impaired Faculties and I've never, through all the musicians that I played with, I've never seen anyone that had a larger pedal board than you. <laughs> How many do you have on stage when you play? Probably about 15. Really? I, yeah. I, I, I would have wagered somewhere in the 20s. It, it, it could be 20. I didn't actually count, but uh, pro, pro, it's between 15 and 20. Yeah, the case <laughs> that you have that holds them all, you can at the end of the night just sort of pack the whole thing up and walk away with it. You could put a couple bodies in there. You, you could. It's, <laughs> you could. It's large. So let's move along to this thing. I know you've looked at the list, and I know you've geeked out over oh, it. Oh, totally. Totally. We move along. If, if I had $50,000, I'd own all of these. <laughs> Here we go. Number 25. From around 1978 to 1982, the Roland Vocoder VP330 Plus. They claim from Vintage Guitar that it's worth about $750 to $900. It's a keyboard. However, what you know it for is how it alters sound. Everything from guitar to synth to voice. You're going to hear this in Tangerine Dream, Vangelis, Laurie Anderson. But where would you sort of go, oh, now I know what it is. How about the dogs barking on Pink Floyd's animals? Mm-hmm. That's where it's used. And Blue Sky or Mr. Blue Sky from ELO, where it's that real. Right. Blue sky. 
that's it. So that's where we start. That's number 25. And didn't they, they not at one point use this for uh, radio commercials uh, oh. back in the 60s when, uh, you know, they'd, they'd vocoder the, the call letters? Oh, sure. Uh, Just to set something apart. Right. And I don't doubt this is one of the things they used when, when it's a news story. We're hiding his voice okay? <laughs> and, and making him sound really cool. Yeah. DLO and Roxville. Coming out of ELO, now off air, you were saying you thought the Buggles might have used this as I'm well. I'm pretty sure they did. Uh, yeah. on, on the, the album that had Video Kill the Radio Star on sure. it. Sure. Uh, well, mm. if of it course. was something similar. Right. Before that guy left and, and was with Asia and such, uh, he had every keyboard known to man. It's entirely possible he had one of these things stuck in there. I wouldn't be surprised. Sure. Number 24, 1970s Roland Analog Synth SPV Rack Mount. This will also set you back about $900. Uh, analog sounds, all kinds of thick, uh, eminently playable things. It is also one of these with about 9,000 little knobs and buttons and such right. that you would need. I, this looks to me like more of a studio thing. I don't think this I would, is a live I would one. think so. I remember when guys tried to play these on stage in the 70s, and they didn't track very well. So, you know, you'd play the note, and it would come in a beat after it was supposed to, and yeah. it was really distracting. Yeah, this is a um, set it and forget it type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Number 23, we'll probably play this one. The 1980s Korg. How much Korg equipment made it to stage in the 1980s? I mean, Korg was everywhere. Yeah. Korg keyboards and such. The Korg SDD 3000 Digital Delay. I don't know what it was about when I was coming up, but everybody had to have their guitars on delay. There was no such thing as reverb. There mm-hmm. was slapback. There was full, you know, a half a second delay coming back at you. That's at least when I was playing. Everybody had a delay, and they left it on all the yeah, time. I, I started so early that, uh, you know, I started playing in the 60s, and, you know, we thought we were really hip with tremolo and reverb. But yeah. then when delay came along, we said, wow, you can do this. And now, of course, you can buy these things like the Line 6 Digital Delay Modeler that will do all these you know, it'll do all of them, basically. Sure, and but this um, is this is the stuff that, you know, it, it's I don't know. Is this digital? I guess it is digital. This is this no longer had the tape in it, right? Yeah, that would that would wear out. According to Vintage Guitar, this is the secret weapon behind Edge's guitar tone. So if you want to sound like the Edge, this is what you have to it. have. Of course, you also have to play like him. So yes, pride in the name of love. It's you too, Roscoe. Quick question. Who's the guitarist that you believe 
uses effects best in their playing? Probably Adrian Ballou. Oh, you think so? Uh, just just because he uses uses so many and uses them so well. Uh, but you, we were talking off air. You mentioned Andy Summers. It's hard right. to argue with that too. That's my guy. He, he is. He's so. Um, fluid with it that you you don't really even notice that he's using effects most of the time Um, right with the edge i think if you took the effects away i'm sure he's still a very good guitarist but he's not him i think if you took andy summers and took away his effects he would still be andy summers yeah it's just such a flavor yeah he lays across well and it you know with the police particularly being just three instruments that that little right. extra that he he puts in there with chorus and things like that, uh, it, it's just amazing and delay. Right. Well, Baloo, everything I think of Baloo, I think of Zappa immediately. His work with Zappa, but yeah. all of the the whammy boy, yeah. all of that is just. I don't think of effects with him. I think of the uh, the overt playing. I mean, there's nothing subtle to the man. <laughs> so no, not ever. really, not really. <laughs> which which makes him... Although he has a, a pedal layout the size of this room that he uses. Oh, uh, does he really? Yes, yeah. <laughs> wow. Speaking of pedals, moving along once again from Vintage Guitar Magazine, here's number 22. This one will set you back 950. The 1969 Jax Vibra Chorus by Shine Eye. Do you have do you that, know this one? No, I don't know this one at all. Never heard love, of this one. I love one. the name, but to me, Jax is a beer. That's well. <laughs> uh, welcome to New Orleans. But, but, exactly. but chorus, you know, I know chorus, and I, I don't know how any guitarist functions without it anymore. According uh, to uh, my research, Hendrix Live at Woodstock, the chorus was this pedal. So well, that gives you that. That, that that's a pretty good, uh, <laughs> pr- pretty good pedigree right exactly. there. I think number twenty-one from nineteen seventy-one, the seventy-five Maestro. Theremin, TH1. This will set you back, again, about a grand. Now, it even states in the copy that this is less effect than instrument. I don't know. I I consider it in effect. I mean, you really need to be able to play it for it to be an instrument. Right. And you mentioned, again, off air, the Beach Boys song, Good Vibrations. Right. I don't know that that's an instrument inside of it. It's just a yeah. cute effect there in the background. The, the the only person I can think of that outside of the classical world where there's pieces written for theremin and, and yeah. chamber quartet and stuff like that is is Jimmy Page who used it as an instrument on stage in the long version of Whole Lot of Love. Okay, um, and it, it allowed him to do his uh, you know his wizard bit on stage. If uh, you if you watch the uh, the Access Channel AXS, uh, they show the Coachella that just went by. Jack White's performance at Coachella. He brought along a theremin player, ah, who was who was excellent. And it's one of those where you see the theremin and you're like, oh god. It it really added. It wasn't just hey look everyone a theremin. Yeah. It really added to it. Well, is that the show that he also had Robert Plant on stage with him? Not that I saw. They may have cut that out, but uh, not there, that I saw. There's a video circulating with of him and Robert Plant. Let's huh. check that out. Number 20 and the one we're going to play, 1960 Watkins WEM Copycat Echo. This is going to set you back a grand, maybe a little bit more. This is a guy I've mentioned on the show before, Hank Marvin of The Shadows. He's not very popular here in the United States. He of the Flamingo Red with gold hardware Stratocaster guitar. You may not know him in the United States, but if you do any research into him, you can see how much impact he had on just about every guitarist that came out of the UK scene. Right. And you and you think to yourself, well, no, that was the American, that was the blues stuff that came out. 
Marvin was in there just as much. And when you see him, what is this? Big, thick, geeky glasses? Mm-hmm. Everybody saw right past that. I, I think a lot of people fail to realize how much the shadows influence people, how much the ventures impl- influence people. Because right. if you were a budding guitarist in the 60s, those were the guys that wowed you. Exactly. B- before Clapton and Page and Beck and those guys came along. Exactly. Uh, I don't know this effect. I certainly know Hank Marvin. So if he used it, it must be good. Let's listen to it. It's Apache 2. It's Shadows. Marvin's on lead guitar on Rock School. All right, coming into the first break here on Rock School, again, off air, we were talking about all the pedals that you have on stage, mm-hmm. and you were talking about all the pedals Adrian Ballou has. A good player will go through every one of those pedals. Um, right. I have a recording from the last concert that you played, and I can hear every single pedal that you go through. It's not like you're just, you know, look, kids, I have all these pedals, and I touch four of them. Yeah, right. it's, you know? it's, there's no point in having them, because they're, they're too much trouble to hook up. And they're too expensive. Yeah. Even if you, even if you buy the cheap ones like I do, um, if you're not going to actually use them, because every time you add a pedal to the chain, you create the potential for more, more noise. And sure, you know mm-hmm. that's not good. Yeah, one bad chord um, will will ruin the entire ooh, bunch. Yes. Yeah, we've learned that. <laughs> what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say more problems too. Oh, sure. We got to do some listing here. We're running behind. Number nineteen comes in at about eleven hundred dollars. This is the nineteen seventy-one to seventy-four Maestro Bass Brassmaster BB One. How would you know it? Chris Squire's bass on Roundabout from Yes. That's how he got that sound. Number eighteen, the nineteen seventies Roland Space Echo or the Roland RE two hundred one. It creates a slapback echo that makes people go, oh, happiness. Where would you know it from? Think Stray Cats, that real great 1950s slapback echo that he has. That's it. Number 17, the 1966-67 Vox. Once again, how many Vox pedals have you had? How many Vox this, Vox that have you had? That's a name in the music industry. The Vox Clyde McCoy wah-wah pedal sets you back about $1,100. Where would you hear it? How about up on Cripple Creek? You will know the guitar as soon as it comes out. Now, Number 16, is this the one you own? I have I have a Dallas Arbiter fuzz face. Unfortunately, it's in pieces in a basket. Why is it in pieces? <laughs> uh, well, because a, a well-intentioned friend who was helping me carry my equipment to stage dropped it. And, uh, you know, this is back when it was worth about 50 bucks. I was still in high school then, and I just stuck it in a basket and... I'm thinking about taking it out and seeing if I can get it fixed now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> From the 1960s, there's nothing fancy about this. I mean, a guy with a soldering gun could put this back together yeah, for you, I guarantee so, you. Probably so, yeah. Sure. Uh, and again, this is this is really one that you would know when you hear it. Where will you hear it? Think Eric Johnson, Cliffs of Dover. That's his fuzz. Yeah. And you think, how does he get that beautiful, beautiful distortion? 
It's not distortion. It's fuzz. Yeah, Hendrix used them, too. Thanks for using us and running the radio station. KCMJ, Colorado Springs. Who do you got? Radio Universidad in Salamanca, Spain. Make sure you get us on Facebook. Search Rock School Radio Show and like us. You really like us. Back in a minute here on Rock School. Coming out of the break, let's get some more out of the way. we got to get to 12 by the bottom of the hour. Number 15 is the 1960s Bison Echo Wreck tube unit. So 1960s, if it's tube, you know, no way they've got the little transistors in it. Nope. Where do we know this from? Pink Floyd's Spacey Delays on Shine On, You Crazy Diamond. That's how they got the song. This one in number 14, I have no idea what this is. I've never heard of it. The 1958 to 59 Echophonic Echo Unit. I didn't find anyone who used it. Do you know anything about this? No, I don't. The first thing it made me think about was old stereos from the 50s, you know, that all had phonic or phonics in the name. But yeah. I have never heard of one of these. I've never seen one. Um, I, I don't know what it is either, but I think you're right. Phonic was probably used as a marketing ploy Yeah, to sell it. The 1960s, this comes in at number 13, the 1960s Maestro Echoplex tube model. This is the prized one. Yeah. This is the one that you're going to see that looks like a big clunky nothing that, you know, why don't you go get one of the big ones of today? Because nothing sounds like this. How did Scotty Moore, Chet Atkins, Carl Perkins, and all those guys in the 1950s, how did they sound like that? Like this that's the kind of stuff that they you know that they get these these original amps and such that were built for these guys this maestro echoplex gave that sound well it's interesting um while i was doing my homework for this show to so to speak yeah i looked at uh guitar world's recent ranking of the most important pedals ever made you know, <laughs> it's not not most expensive but but most important in terms of you know use usability and who's used them this yeah. one was number 18 fantastic uh, fantastic and the one we're going to play number 12 the 1977 Mutron. And you think to yourself, yeah, Mutron. If you don't know pedal, Mutron's a name. Yeah. It really is. This is the flanger. Only a thousand of these were made. So the company created want right off the bat by yep. only making a thousand. Where are you going to hear this thing? Godly and cream of 10cc. I'm not in love. This is where you hear it. And it sounds like this on Rock School. NCC, Godly and Cream, why, time to show the brains, why is it called a flange? Well, before they had the uh, the little boxes that you can do this with, you used to take two tape decks, put an identical tape on both of them, and slow one down uh, by applying a thumb to the flange of the tape reel. Right. Uh, and then that way you get that phasing effect. Um, John Lennon and George uh, Martin did it on Beatles songs. Les Paul did it on some of his stuff. I think he's the first. That I didn't uh, know. 
That I didn't know. You ever gotten in an argument with somebody? What's the difference between a phase and a flange? Every time it comes up. Yeah. Uh, did it Did it end nicely? No. No. God. <laughs> so, a, a flange is a phaser, but uh, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. All right. <laughs> Bottom of the hour. Let's do this. These are the rock and roll dates. Seven days, seventy seconds. May eleventh through May seventeenth. Let's see if Monique can get through the first one. You have Monday. Go. May eleventh, nineteen seventy-two. John Lennon appeared on the U.S. television. Dick Cavett show claiming he was under surveillance from the FBI. And he was. May 12th, 1968, Brian Jones makes his final live appearance with the Rolling Stones when they appeared at the New Musical Express Pole Winners Concert at Empire Pool, Wembley, England. May 13th, 1967, the Supremes scored their 10th U.S. number one single with The Happening. It was the last single to be released as the Supremes. From that point on, they were known as Diana Ross and the Supremes. Which means it was only a matter of time before the solo career comes around. May 14th, 1998, American singer and actor Frank Sinatra passes away at Cedar sinai Medical Center, Los Angeles, age 82, suffering a heart attack. May 15th, 1974, Frank Zappa and his wife announced the birth of their third child, a boy named Amit Rodan, after the Japanese movie monster. May 16th, 2010, Ronnie James Dio, singer with Elf, Rainbow, Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell, and his own band, Dio, dies after a six-month battle with stomach cancer. And finally, May 17, 1987, a fire destroys Tom Petty's house in Los Angeles. The cost was an estimated $800,000. Did I remember correctly? Was that arson? I think so. Yeah. I, I think I, so. Am I remembering that? Moving along, back to the, uh, the top pedals, the most valuable pedals, according to Vintage Guitar Magazine, number 11. The 1974 Mutron, welcome to Mutron again, by phase with optical pedal. This thing will set you back $1,250. Where will I hear this? Smashing Pumpkins, the pumpkin sound on Siamese Dream. That's where you'll get it. The Number 10, 1961. This is the 66 Fender Reverb Unit. You have heard this, let's see, everywhere, I believe. Dickdale, Mirsalu. That's yeah. where you probably will go bang. every. In fact, every single surf tune possible, I believe, used this. And that will set you back about 12 75 Number nine, the 1970 Maestro Echoplex Group Master. And they specifically state, get the solid state one. Okay, set you back $1,300. Uh, if you're a fan of Judas Priest, if you've ever wondered how do I tell the difference between Glenn Tipton and K.K. Downing, Glenn Tipton always sounded a little warmer than K.K. Downing. Why is that? Why, it's the 1970s Maestro Echoplex Group Master Solid State, ladies now and gentlemen. And the one we're going to play. Number eight, 1994 to 99, Klon Centaur, professional Overdrive. Now I know you have an overdrive. I do. It's just a pedal. Did it cost you thirteen hundred dollars? No, it was about seventy-five. There you go. <laughs> oh, actually, it didn't cost me anything. It was a Christmas present. Oh, there you go. But it cost somebody seventy-five. <laughs> the Klon Centaur, very, very, very expensive. Um, according to the article, it is what they call a modern classic, and it says here feel. Players love this pedal because, and this is a real weird thing, when they say clean distortion, you know, jumbo shrimp, military intelligent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) According to this, it is the smoothest overdrive you can possibly get a hold of. How does John Mayer sound like John Mayer? It's this pedal. Sounds like this. He can afford it. Oh, yes, he can. (laughs) 
There's John Mayer, Gravity. Let's continue on with this. The next three are all, number seven, number six, number five, are all, go ahead, say the name. Tycho Brahe. Now, who is that? Tycho Brahe was uh, a sort of a quasi-mad scientist in the late 16th, early 17th century, uh, mapped all of the visible stars. Uh, although he he did not take on board the Copernican revolution, so he still believed in a geocentric universe. But a lot of modern astronomy geocentric goes, meaning we are the center of the right, universe. Right. Okay, also known as the debutante theory of the okay, <laughs> <laughs> we are the debutante. Right, right, right. Oh, I take it. So Tycho Brahe is the next three. Number four is the Tycho Brahe pedal flanger. Says here that it's not really a flanger. It's a, a phasing, a chorus, a vibe sound. It's a nifty four-in-one. Don't is, know anything is about it. Is it a phaser or is it a flanger? Yeah, yeah, don't get me started on that. Number six, again, Tycho Brahe para-pedal. And this is what Geezer Butler used uh to create that wah sound effect that he had in Turn Up the Night. But it states here that it's far more complex. It's a sweeping phaser. It's an analog synth. It's a vocal dip. You can see why they named it after this guy. Number five is the Tycho Brahe Octavia, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Roger Mayer, who is Jimi Hendrix's sound technician, designed the silly thing, and Hendrix used it in the guitar solo for Purple Haze. Yeah. So, I mean, this thing is all over the place and in major, major songs. However, of all of them, where it is most, where present, it is most forward in the song, would be Geezer Butler's use of it. So let's play that. Let's turn up the nights. Black Sabbath here on Rock School. second break here number four before we get to the end of the top 25 vintage guitar magazine 25 most valuable effects this one will run you about fifteen hundred dollars this is the 1973 maestro rover rotating speaker and i urge you to go take a look at it it's just a big circle with what appears to be heavier grill cloth all the way around it and it is exactly that it looks like the leslie rotating speaker mm-hmm. that came with the Hammond B3, which I always remember was in the seat when you were sitting at a B3, or that's the way it was sold originally. Right. Yeah, that, that spun around. And you say that a guitar solo that was played through one of those Leslie speakers, or could very well be through this maestro, drove you insane. Oh, it was the 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 intro to the guitar solo in Badge by Cream. Yeah. Uh, I, I just went nuts trying to figure out how they did that. And I've tried any number of pedals trying to get that sound. And you can get close. Yeah. But I've never gotten it just exactly. And I'm almost positive he played it through a Leslie. Now, my question is, since you're a pedal guy, and I'm not, you know, I was for the longest time just straight out of the guitar into the amp. I have a modeling amplifier, so I get a little bit out of it. But... Is there a Leslie speaker pedal? Can you buy that now? I th- I think the Rotovibe pedals probably come close. The one I sent you the other day, the Drybell Rotovibe yeah. pedal, I think will probably come as close as anything. But, uh, but it still doesn't sound like a Leslie. You it sounds like a, it that. sounds like a pedal trying to sound like a Leslie. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of those that if you don't have the thing that will do it. 
you don't have it. Yeah. If you yeah. if you watch, for example, uh, Stevie Winwood's concert that he did with Eric Clapton. Yeah. Uh, he's still using a B three with a Leslie. And, and again, you don't have it. You don't have it. Yeah. You have people that state, "How do I sound like this guitarist?" Well, number one, you shouldn't. You should sound like you. Yeah. But if you want to sound like him, you know, go ahead, buy the guitar, put the, like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Buy the guitar, put on the heaviest strings you can. I mean, go chop down a tree and make that your E string. <laughs> and then follow his, you know, follow his playing ability exactly. Follow his effects. You still never sound like yeah. him. Mm-hmm. You know, sound like you. But if you want to sound, you know, like this speaker, and I still think that the, not the flange, but the phase was created attempting to equal that. I think so. Yeah. So there. Hello there, W-O-U-B Athens, Ohio, my old stamping grounds. What else we got? K-R-F-Y in Sandpoint, Idaho. Excellent. Back in a minute here in Rock School. Okay, coming out of the break, we got to do this quick because we're simply running out of time. Here's number three. We'll play a song for it. Late 60s, early 70s, Univox, Univibe. Who used this? Uh, Everybody. Who didn't? Where will you hear it? Hendrix. You'll hear it on Voodoo Child. Uh, You'll hear it on Wind Cries Mary. You'll hear it on Star Spangled Banner. That's the one at Woodstock. Uh, You'll also hear it on Hendrix Machine Gun, Pink Floyd's Breathe, and the one we're going to play, Robin Trower's Bridge of Size. What a great song. Yep. Sounds like this on Rockstar. Okay, final break here on Rock School. We're going to do our final two from Vintage Guitar Magazine, 25 Most Valuable Effects. Once again, thanks to Dave Hunter, who is the author of the um, of the article. And remember, his updated and expanded Guitar Amp Handbook is coming out, and I believe you're going to buy one. Absolutely. So there you go. We've sold one for you, Dave. Also, thanks to Ward, who is the editor of the magazine, who gave me permission to use all of this information. Number two in the 25 Most Valuable Effects. This one will set you back about $1,700. The 1999 Matchless RV1 Tube Reverb Unit. Reverb is so hard to make it sound like you're actually getting reverb from the space. Right. Right. It's it's so easy, especially with digital today, for reverb to sound metallic, yep. to sound bad. My, one of my old amplifiers had a tube. Or pardon me, not a tube, but a uh, a spring. That's the best reverb I've ever gotten. I cannot equal that. And number one, the 1966... Dallas Rangemaster Treble Booster. Had you ever heard of this before yes. seeing this? Oh, you had. I, I had. Okay, I had um, not. It, it, this this is the one that if I had an extra twenty five hundred that I didn't need for anything, I would buy. You would buy of, it. of the whole list. This is the one that I would love to have the most. Okay, this is the one also that I'm just. If I wanted to, I could list so many different people. 
Where will you hear it? How does Brian May sound like Brian May? How about this pedal? Yep. That's it. The Range Master is in many, many Queen songs. A good example would be Procession from Queen's second album, Queen 2. As a matter of fact, it's all over Queen songs, and we'll finish with a Queen song. So there you go. $2,500 for the Dallas Range Master treble booster, and it's the one you would buy. That's right. So there. Mm-hmm. Do the names one more time. I'm Joe Burns. Renee Gregoire. You are? Bill Robinson. Thanks for sitting in for us. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. It. And thanks again, again to Vintage Guitar Magazine. Here's Queen. That'll wrap it up. Class is dismissed.